Welcome to the Older Adult to Geriatric Nutrition Answers podcast presented to you by the LongTermCareRD.com. I'm Michelle Sari, your host and presenter of today's episode. Today we are going to be talking about nutrition care plan refusal. So this episode is specifically for dietitians, but it can be educational for those that are working in healthcare as well. So let me ask you this. Have you ever made the perfect nutrition care plan and then a resident refuses to follow it? I know I have. I went to school for a million years. I've completed hours upon hours of training on safe feeding and swallowing, decreasing the risks associated with different diet textures, found the importance of preventing weight loss, and I thought that I knew it all, especially when I first started out working in long-term care. Um, But I didn't. (laughs) Some of my early days, I had such a steep learning curve, learning how to deal with a resident refusing the nutrition care plan treatment. But as we all know, those of us that work in long-term care, is that in the resident bill of rights, it says that they have the right to refuse treatment. This means everything from a medication that's being offered to them to the nutrition care plan. And we as dietitians need to be educated and learn how to deal with this. Now, don't take this as legal advice because I'm not going down that avenue. I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be. But from my experience and reading the Medicaid and Medicare and Canadian um, survey processes, this is the advice that I would give to dietitians that are concerned about, let's take for example, a resident refusing a diet texture. These are the typical steps that I take in protecting the patient, making sure that they know exactly what they're getting into, as well as protecting myself. Um, I think it's a really important area, and unfortunately it's not talked about very often, but it does happen actually quite frequently in my experience. Um, If you check on our website, longtermcarerd.com, I've interviewed two state surveyors, and They were incredibly knowledgeable, Stephanie Wilkerson and Rachel Landmark. I'm so appreciative that they were a part of um, an interview that I was able to do with them and ask them nutrition questions that were sent in by various dietitians. And they had great advice on it and were hoping to get a state surveyor on the podcast as an interview. So their advice was what I'm going to talk about today. And so... Let's go through a common nutrition care plan that requires a long-term care dietitian to be flexible and changing. So number one, a patient refuses a modified diet texture that will reduce their risk of aspiration and choking. It's happened to me. Number two, refusing to have their weights checked monthly or weekly depending where you are and what the needs are. Three, refusing to eat some or most of their meals, risking serious nutrition deficiencies weight loss and increased frailty. Number four, refusing to get out of bed for meals. This increases their risk of choking due to improper positioning. Number five, refusing oral nutritional supplements prescribed, which are prescribed for a reason. And number six, refusing thickened fluids due to increased risk of aspiration pneumonia and silent aspiration. Number six, I would say is probably the most common one after the modified diet texture. There's something about thickened fluids that just don't sit well with patients, and I don't blame them. If you're a dietitian, 
I strongly recommend that you give these thick and fluid drinks a try every time a new product comes in, a new formula comes out. You need to know what you're offering your patient and why they're not satisfied with what you're giving them. So those are the two that I would say are the most common and most serious uh, risks associated with them. So how does a dietitian document care plan refusal? Um, all dietitians need to know how to document in a patient's chart properly in order to not get into some serious trouble when they're being audited. Now, there's obvious concerns that arise from the list that I just talked about. You know as a health professional the health risks that are associated with all of those. So what can you do to minimize these risks? Now, I'll say the number one thing, just as a caveat before I get into the list here, there is no shame in a patient refusing a nutrition care plan or any type of medical treatment. You have that right all through your years growing up and that should continue into the aging process. As you're in long-term care, if you don't want to follow a nutrition care plan, I as the dietitian will never make you feel ashamed or feel bad about that. What I will do though is I will educate you as best as I can and your loved ones depending on what the competency here is, but it's up to them at the end of the day and I will treat them with the utmost dignity and respect as I would expect to have in those situations. So I just want to caveat that to say there's no shame in a patient not wanting a certain diet texture or thicken liquids or to get weighed. There's nothing wrong with that. That's their choice. That's their right. So make sure that when you go into these situations that there's no shaming of these patients. I personally, would I want thick and fluids mm, from the ones that I've tried? Not really. No, I think I'll, I'll go with the risk. But that's a personal choice, personal preference. So just consider that when you're going into these situations. Okay, so let's get back to how do you minimize the risks that are associated. Step number one, the first consult of a patient's refusal. So when you first receive the consult that a patient is refusing some area of the nutrition care plan, such as diet texture, it is the responsibility of the dietitian to ensure that this has been written in the chart. This begins the chain of communication. So if the nurse says that they have not charted on it yet, just kindly ask that they do so, so that you can write a response. I like to have every healthcare professional that's had a conversation about a care plan refusal document on their own. This just builds up the support for not only the patient but the healthcare professionals that the patient is going against what is the safest choice but safest isn't always best. Best is subjective and that's up to the patient what they think is the best choice. So you want to make sure that if you're getting audited in the survey process in the states or provincial audits in Canada or whatever the process is called in the country that you live in, that there is a chain of communication in the chart notes that makes sense because you will be questioned if it doesn't make sense or if some serious fatality occurs, let's say a choking incident. And this is especially something serious, so make sure that it's not just you documenting on all of this. Step number two is you want to communicate with the patient and their family. So you need to make sure that you're talking to the right person. So you're always going to want to go to the power of attorney, the 
alternate decision maker, whoever it is that in the chart you're allowed to talk to about healthcare decisions, so their healthcare proxy, that's who you're going to talk to about it. You're not going to talk to their cousin Joe about their nutrition care plan refusal. Because if Joe is not the power of attorney, you are releasing private medical information to somebody that you're not authorized to. So don't just talk to anybody. You need permission to talk to people about their health care. So as a dietitian, you should set up a time to discuss with the patient and or their family about the risks associated. There's always going to be some type of risk associated with refusing a nutrition care plan, and those are the ones that I've talked about about uh, prior. So when discussing with the patient, always find out what the true issue is. There is possibly a compromise that you may be able to come up with that's a little bit safer than just flat out saying no. Um, maybe they really are just aren't really wanting a change in their care plan. They just want more flexibility in their meal choices. So a little bit of diet liberalization, which I strongly promote. So you're going to educate the patients on all the risks associated. And if they choose to accept, this needs to be written into a very specific chart note. I like to write out exactly what the risks that I discussed were and use quotations when I write their responses. Having a document where they sign a waiver indicating their understanding, it doesn't do much from what I've heard. So for this reason, I just worry about documenting um, their acceptance of the refusal and the risks associated. The purpose of you educating them on the risks is not to shame them into accepting the nutrition care plan as you have recommended. The purpose is so that they truly understand that there are serious risks associated. So according to Medicaid standards about a patient's right to refuse care, they say the following, and I will put a link in the show notes about this because I have the reference. So they say, Residents' decisions to refuse care should not be considered a basis for transfer or discharge unless the refusal poses a risk to the residents or other individuals' health and or safety. In a situation where a resident's choice to refuse care or treatment poses a risk to the residents or others' health and safety, the comprehensive care plan must identify the care or service being declined, the risk the decline poses to the resident, and efforts by the interdisciplinary team to educate the resident and their representative as appropriate. So as you can see from that statement, you can't transfer the patient to another facility simply because they're not listening to you. Uh, that's not treating them with any dignity or respect, and it's also not giving them a choice. So that's kind of a threat if you're trying to say that we'll transfer you if you refuse our care plan. So that's not the avenue that you want to go down. What it emphasizes here um, is that you have to educate the resident and the representative as appropriate. As appropriate is in reference to the representative, whether or not you have somebody to talk to about it. So really make sure that you're not just educating them once. I don't go back and badger them daily, but every single quarter when I'm doing my MDS care plan and I'm reassessing the nutrition status, I'm going back to them to circle around, discuss the risks again, have the same conversation, and see if they A, change their mind, or B, are perfectly content continuing to accept the risks associated. 
this is again just continuing the discussion with them and their representative because a lot can change in a three-month period in long-term care with a patient especially let's say if they have dementia or some type of dysphagia there can be an acceleration where the decline is quite quick so ensure that you're always circling back having those discussions again and just reminding them that there are options and let's say you can find a middle ground that makes them happy and you decrease the risk a little bit so circle back Okay, so step number three is changing the nutrition care plan. Now you begin the process of making the change. If the speech language pathologist has been involved in the patient's care, which they always should be when there is a dysphagia case, um, dietitians don't think you're the experts on swallowing. We're not. We didn't go to school for it. You may have taken a couple little courses to learn swallowing assessments, and that's great as an intermediate measure until a speech language pathologist can get in there but do not think you're the SLP, um, you're going to want to call them about the change. So they should be involved prior to the actual change though, but typically they aren't always available to come to a facility right away, especially if it's not an urgent. But every SLP that I've worked with um, has been amazing, so I want to give them all the credit in the world, that they will go out of their way to either call the patient's family, call the facility, and have those discussions about the risks as well just kind of to um, provide support to the team and maybe they can come up with a middle ground or a compromise so you want to usually get them involved when these discussions start to come up because they will be a great ally and asset and you should also connect with the nurse and healthcare aides on the unit about the changes so they don't send the diet texture back thinking that it was a mistake you're going to then go about whatever the process is within your facility to inform the dietary department about the texture changes. And step number four, documenting the nutrition care plan changes. So a sample chart note on how to document. I'm using the ADIME format here. So I'll put a link in the show notes about this chart note and you can take a look at it. So RD was consulted by nursing that the resident is refusing their modified diet texture, mince texture. RD interviewed resident who stated, I will not eat that mush texture that I got for lunch today. RD explained the risks of going on a regular standard texture diet, choking, aspiration, aspiration pneumonia, hospitalization, and early mortality, and they were accepting of all the risks. Resident also approved RD to phone power of attorney to be in agreement. RD phoned power of attorney Debbie Reynolds and explained the discussion with the resident as well as the health risks associated with changing diet texture. Power of attorney stated that it is up to the resident and she is in agreement with ever with whatever the resident chooses to do. Diagnosis, swallowing difficulty related to post-stroke complications as evidenced by coughing on regular standard diet texture. Intervention, resident will receive a regular standard diet texture as requested, aware and understanding of health risks associated with the change. Power of attorney in agreement, nursing, dietary, SLP, all informed of change to take place. Monitoring and evaluation plan, nursing has been requested to monitor resident at all meals, ensure resident is in main dining room for observation and safety purposes. RD will visit resident in one to two weeks to assess how new diet texture is for the resident. SLP will perform a nutrition assessment swallowing specific. RD is available for consult at any time. So you can see it's a pretty brief chart note and it covers the risks associated, the discussions that were had, who was contacted. You could put a little more emphasis in your chart note that SLP was 
going to do an assessment, I just threw that into the evaluation plan, but that could also be an intervention. Um, but I did put them in the intervention as well. So um, note that in the chart note, I have written the exact quotes of what the resident said. I have written that I explained the health risk to both the resident and the power of attorney, both were accepting. I have written the different disciplines that are aware of the changes being made, nursing, dietary, and SLP. This will help that you are not the only one aware of what's going on. And I put precautionary measures in place so they can only eat in a dining room that is constantly monitored. They're not allowed to eat in their bed and you've made yourself available for a consult at any time if there's changes. So these are all ways that you can ensure you've covered yourself in terms of making sure everyone is aware of what is going on. The resident and power of attorney are aware that there are serious health risks with the decision and that you've properly documented everything. Always make sure to speak with others about a change as significant of this. It depends on your facility, but I would strongly recommend that you are also talking to the doctor about this. The doctor should be aware of any major health risks that the resident is taking on. So I like to have everybody involved in the discussion and typically I don't make these changes immediately. Um, I am a huge advocate for safety and safe choices. So what I will usually do is after I have a discussion with the resident about them wanting a change, I will also in that discussion ask them if they're willing to go for a few more days until the speech language pathologist can come in and do an assessment. It is a little bit urgent in the fact of the risks that are associated with it. So. I really, really, really encourage the resident to wait for just a couple days. If they're not willing to, then I'll give the SLP a phone call and try to do a little bit of trying to find a compromise. And nine times out of 10, the resident is willing to wait until the SLP can get in there or they're willing to take, let's say they, they're on a parade, we might bump them up to total minced. So try to find the safest option possible. I understand that as an RD, it is hard to see a resident go against your expertise at times, but remember, it's their life, and if you were in their position, you would appreciate a compassionate dietitian who respects their choices. There's what we learn in the textbook, but we need to leave room for quality of life to balance in the equation. So everyone in long-term care has the right to refuse. It is the long-term care dietitian's job to educate them on the risks associated. Just make sure that one of the most important things you're doing is document, 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 and make sure that the chain of command has continuity. So if you get audited and they check that chart, you're ready for it. So that's all we have for today's episode. I just want to throw a few little reminders in here that if you go onto the Long-Term Care RD website, go under the shop option. We just released the long-term care dietitian's reference guide and let me tell you, it will be the most useful reference guide you can purchase. There's a lot of companies out there that put out long-term care, dietitian, um, education courses, books, all these kind of things. And nine times out of 10, you start reading them and you say, this person that wrote this has never worked in long-term care a day in their life. Or if they have, it was for such a short period of time <laughs> that the advice that they're giving is just a textbook. That's all it is. They're not giving me step-by-step -step approaches. They're not 
giving me practical information that I can actually implement in my practice today? Well, guess what? This reference guide is not like that because I have been a practicing dietitian in long-term care for over eight years. I have a master's degree in human nutritional sciences and that was focused on the largest long-term care study of its kind on food and fluid intake in long-term care. So when I say that long-term care is my passion, it is. I have dedicated my entire career to it. So this book, it is the ultimate long-term care dietitian cheat sheet. It's filled with guides on how to manage every aspect of long-term care work. So check it out. I will put it in the show notes. You can click the link and see everything that's included in the book. I have the table of contents up there so you can see exactly what you're going to get. It's over 140 pages. It includes a nutrition assessment, a meal observation screen. It is fantastic. So that's all I have for you today. Be sure to like and follow the show on your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to. Give it a five-star review like and share it with your colleagues and whoever else you might find this episode to be useful for. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at LongTermCareRD. Find us on the website at www.LongTermCareRD.com. And in the show description notes, you will find an article related to our topic today, as well as all the resources that I listed. So have a great week and we'll see you back next week.